that's my greatest fear is that the river will be overcome before people in power um, acknowledge that there is this threat and honestly deal with it. We've never been this short of water before. The well always seemed to uh, work okay, you know. And then all of a sudden, four years ago, they started building more of these farms and people started losing their pumps. And if we don't start addressing that issue with these basins that are unrestricted, you know, we're, once the water's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about Arizona residents whose water supplies are being threatened by big-time investors. These big-time investors are coming into Arizona to build farms, but in the process, they're exploiting Arizona's groundwater supply, and in some cases, leaving locals with no running tap water. They're able to do this because Arizona lacks regulation. If we don't get, gain control of the situation, and, and nobody likes regulation or government or, or any of that sort of thing, but you know, this is a real problem. It's, it's going on, you know, it's happening in real time. These are problems that a lot of Arizonans might be unfamiliar with, but they're ones that rural residents from across the state have to confront every day. I don't want to say that we've passed the point of no return, but boy, it sure is going to be hard to throttle everybody back. The fact that Arizona's groundwater levels are hitting dangerous lows is nothing new. Scientists and water experts have been sounding the alarm bells for years. And nearly 40 years ago, Arizona started regulating groundwater. So why is it still an issue? We'll break that down today. Here to talk about that with us today, we have two reporters. Guys, you wanna go ahead and introduce yourselves? I'm Ian James, I'm an environment reporter at The Republic. And I'm Rob O'Dell, an investigative and data reporter here at The Republic. So thanks for coming on, and we're gonna just hit the ground running with this episode, but real quick, you guys are gonna hear some technical terms in this episode, and we want you guys to just very quickly define them for you. So we're going to be talking a lot about groundwater. Groundwater is the water that's underground in spaces between soil, sand, and rock. And it makes up about 40% of the water that's used in Arizona. And in a lot of cases, it was water that was laid down over thousands of years. And to get to this ancient water, you have to drill into the earth with a well. So Ian and Rob, you guys published an explosive report this month titled, Arizona's Groundwater Reserves Are Plummeting as Investors Exploit Desert Aquifers in an Unregulated Free-for-All. That's a lot to break down, so take us to the beginning. Where does this whole story begin? It starts 40 years ago in 1980. That's when Arizona passed the Groundwater Management Act, and what that law did was in several areas of the state, in mostly urban areas, Phoenix, Prescott, Tucson, and Pinal County, the state started limiting pumping from wells. So those were the regulated areas. But then the law also left unregulated areas all around the rest of the state where there are no limits on pumping. You know, and it should be said that at the time that 
the state passed the 1980 groundwater law, we were the first state to pass a groundwater management law. So we were really leading the way for a time on water conservation for Western states. What went wrong? Well, just in general, we passed this law 40 years ago, and we haven't had a substantial tweak to the law in 40 years. We didn't keep up with what other states are doing. And that has left these rural areas without uh, rules, which most states now, more states now have rules. So a lot of big time investors have have uh, sought out Arizona as a place to do business because we lack these regulations. So what did your report look at? And what did you find? So we did a comprehensive analysis of uh, groundwater levels in Arizona. We looked at two major sources, uh, 33,000 wells that are monitoring wells, that are wells that have been monitored for, by the state uh, for 100 years or more in some cases. And then we looked at 250,000 drilling records, which record when a well was drilled, how deep it was drilled, and how deep they found water. Um, and what we found in the monitoring wells is that for wells that had been measured five or more times, almost 25% of them had fallen more than 100 feet or more. Uh, and that's a level that scientists and experts say is problematic because it's, you, you're not going to recover that in our lifetime. Um, and for the drilling records, what we found is a lot of these wells, more wells are being drilled in these problem areas. They're, they're being drilled much deeper, and they're hitting water at lower levels. You know, and this is a problem because as you suck up this water, this is really ancient water that has been laid down over centuries. And it's not a renewable resource because it's not going to recharge in our lifetimes. Especially in these desert areas, you have very little recharge naturally from rainwater because it doesn't rain a lot. So if you're pumping water at a faster rate than it's being replenished, then you run out. I mean, that it, it's a, at a very basic level, that's what's happening. Yeah, by definition, if we're not replacing this and we're drawing this water down, we're not going to be able to replace it. And, and one of the things that's so important to this is we've been drawing down water for years here in Arizona. Um, especially in these rural areas. But right at the time we, you know, experts are saying we should be doing something to remedy this. These big mega farms are moving in to these areas where water has already been depleted and pumping out even more water. So who are these mega farms that are able to exploit the underground water in rural Arizona? We found that there are large companies. They include both U.S. companies, foreign companies, investment firms, private equity funds, and there's a lot of big money going into farming in these areas of Arizona where there aren't rules on pumping. And so what are they doing uh, with these farms? Some of them have cattle and they're growing corn and alfalfa to feed the cattle. Some of them are exporting hay to Asia and the Middle East and others are growing other crops. It's basically a range of different types of businesses, but the common denominator among them is that they're very large. They've come in and invested heavily in drilling new wells, deep wells, and they're pumping without any limits. How did we end up with foreign farmers operating here in Arizona? Why, why here? In the rural areas of the state, we really just lack any regulations. There's no rules for, uh, you know, for drilling wells. You, as long as you file a report with the state, as long as you hire a licensed well driller, you can, you can drill as much as you want, 
and pump as much as you want. You don't have to report how much water you pumped. The only rule is that the water has to be uh, for a quote-unquote beneficial use, and agriculture easily qualifies for that. So essentially, there's no rules that brings everyone here. Welcome to Arizona. Yeah, the Wild West. Um, you know, and uh, as the as the groundwater levels mm-hmm. continue to drop, um, they have to drill deeper and deeper to to continue to get water. And that costs a lot of money. I mean, that's w- uh, also one of the reasons we see these foreign farms. Like, if you go to these areas, they are sort of agriculturally depressed areas, and uh, where a cost where a well can cost five hundred thousand to a million dollars, rural farmers can't do that anymore. But these big these companies with a lot of capital, foreign companies, out of state companies, they have the money to do that, and they can they can reap you know the profits from this free water. But these local family farmers, obviously, they, they still have to live with the consequences. Yes, they, they most certainly do. Okay, so that's the bad side. Is there an upside? Does Arizona get anything out of this, uh, any benefit at all? Yes, these farms do bring business. They bring jobs. They bring property taxes to small towns. And for some of these areas, farming is the main business there. Uh, so what we do hear from people in some of these farming areas is that it's not that they are opposed to farming or dislike farming. It's sort of the scale that they've seen move into their town and start to use water heavily and that they're starting to see the consequences in their own wells. But you also have to understand what the, uh, what the mega farms are getting out of this. Some of these farms have invested $50 million or more in improvements, and they're not going to do that unless they're getting some profit out of it. But you have uh, residents and environmentalists questioning whether this is all worth it. You have residents who live near the farms. Their wells are drying up. There's no one to help them, and they're going without water. And the state hasn't been systematically tracking how many people are running out of water or having dry wells. But in several areas of the state where there's no limits on pumping, we've found a number of families who have been dealing with this situation. Either it's a pump that's burned up or a well that's simply gone dry, and they're left with the costs. So... Let's get into some of those personal stories that you're you're talking about. Um, you talked to a lot of residents impacted by this groundwater depletion. We played some of the heartbreaking audio at the start of this show. Tell us a little bit more about what you heard. So some of the people who we met who are most affected are people who live out in rural areas in the countryside and they have their own well and they rely on that well for everything, whether that's uh, showering, doing the dishes, giving water to their animals and their garden. And those people are especially vulnerable because in many cases they have a well that is not nearly as deep as the big farms that are right next to them. And so they can see the water literally pulled out from underneath them. In Cochise County, we met one family, Richard and Julie Wilson, and one day their well went dry suddenly. We was getting ready to go work on a normal day. My wife gets up, she gets in the shower, all at once she hollers, I go running, I said, what's the problem? She's I got no water. And his wife had been in the shower and the water went out. They thought at first maybe their pump had gone bad. And we thought it was the pump that went out. So the guy come and checked the pump and it wasn't the pump, he said our well was dry. It turned out that it was their well. It had gone completely dry. What did they do about it? Well, initially, they hauled water from uh, in gigantic buckets from their restaurant in Sunsites, which is located uh, nearby. 
Eventually, they were able to purchase a 2,500-gallon tank, and they started paying for water deliveries. So they'd get a set amount of water on each delivery? Yeah. Uh, so essentially what they'd, ha- what they'd do is it was about $300 a pop for every 2,500-gallon water delivery. Um, and when they first got the water delivery, they started watering the trees and completely exhausted their water supply that was supposed to last weeks in a couple hours. And so they realized, you know, we can pay $300 for this 2,500 gallons of water, but we still have to ration it. We have to, you know, make sure, make sure when we're washing the dishes, we go as fast as possible. If we're taking a shower, we need to get, get in, get out, get done with our business. And we have to, we can't really water the trees and we can barely feed the animals. And you hit and listen right there. See how solid it is? How empty that sounds? So right there. We're at 1,200 gallons. And this lasted for four months. They thought about drilling a deeper well, but they had heard it could cost $30,000 to $50,000, and they couldn't afford that. And they were also talking about how no one could give them a guarantee that if they invested all this money and drilled deeper, that they would actually hit water and be able to continue to have water for any significant period of time. So when we talked to them a few months ago, they really felt like they were in a bind and really didn't know what to do. Okay, so give us some closure on this. Are they still living with that 2,500-gallon tank? No. uh, About a month ago, uh, Richard had met with a man that he was putting in a deeper well for a neighbor, and he had done some work for this man. And he had – the man had had said, I I heard you ran out of water. And he said, yeah, you know, I can't can't figure out what to do. I don't know about drilling it. And um, he said, well, I'll put one in for you. And he said, well, I'm going to have to wait because I just don't have the money. And the next time the guy came around, he said, well, I'll just drill it and you can owe me. And he, he, he owes this man $8,000 who was able to relatively cheaply put in a, a new 600-foot well. But, of course, they don't know exactly how long this is going to last. Their old well was about 400 feet deep. That went dry. This new well is the, the the water level in the new well is about five hundred feet, and it was drilled six hundred feet deep. So, what happens when you drill a well is the water comes up. So, the water's at five hundred feet now. They have about a hundred feet of water. Who knows how long that's going to last? So, it's awesome, obviously, that the Wilsons got a new well. But what you're saying is that there's just no telling how long that well will be good for. They could see themselves in the same situation not so long from now. Exactly. And we, we found this in, in many places, not just in Wilcox. So how many people more broadly are affected by this crisis? All across rural Arizona and places like Sun Sites and Salome, it affects a lot of people. Exactly how many is hard to say, but these are areas that rely entirely on groundwater. And people are living next to farms that might be 10,000, 30,000 acres in size. So they are affected by what happens on land right next to them. And, you know, if you know if you stop someone in Phoenix, you might get and said, what's the biggest issue here? You might get four or five or ten different answers. If you stop someone in Wendon, Salome, and Wilcox, and Kingman, there's only one. It doesn't matter if they're Democrats, Republicans, whatever, they're going to give you one answer, and that's water. Yeah, and in Salome, there's one school that's been having serious water problems. I guess the owner, Bill Farr, had called them and asked them not to water their fields or they would cut their water off. And we found that the Salome Water Company actually asked the local high school not to water their fields 
because it couldn't produce enough water for the fields plus all their other customers in town. And state lawmaker Regina Cobb said she was very concerned about the situation. So now they're playing ball on dirt. Uh, I, I've got to tell you, valley fever, uh, spores in the, in, in the ground, um, the fact that if those kids get hurt on dirt rather than grass, we are putting ourselves in a position of lawsuits. Yeah, and also, for example, Holly Irwin, she's a county supervisor in La Paz, and she told us something has to be done about this. If we don't get, gain control of the situation, and, and nobody likes regulation or government or, or any of that sort of thing, but, you know, this is a real problem. It's, it's going on. You know, it's happening in real time. So let's get into that. What is being done to actually address groundwater depletion? So these areas where groundwater levels are falling and where it's a problem, they also tend to be very conservative communities. People don't like the idea of regulation. And yet, in this case, they are asking for the state to step in and to regulate. I don't think that this valley can come up with a solution by itself. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a small government guy, but I, and I hate to say it, but if we're going to have any solution, it's going to have to come from the state level, and nobody here is going to like it, including myself. What are they asking the state to do? Well, different people have offered different ideas. Some people have said, maybe the water should be taxed for all the water that's pumped out. Let's charge for that. Other people have said, let's put limits on pumping or new wells. So there are a whole range of ideas out there for what could be done. But what we did hear from a number of people in communities in La Paz County, for instance, is that they think something should be done to protect water for the future. And some people have also been asking for the state to establish new management areas. Right. And to be clear, you're talking about the areas where the state can place limits on pumping and drilling. Right. And we have some of these managed areas that date back to the 1980 groundwater management law. But now some people are saying these managed areas should be extended out into other areas of the state where there haven't been any rules to date. And some people, according to your guys' reporting, are even wanting uh, the Department of Water Resources to get more, place more regulations uh, on these areas. But they don't seem to be doing anything about it. Why not? Well, the answer really comes back to those active management areas and the fact that those that are rural areas aren't in them. And therefore, the department's hands are tied because they have no jurisdiction over these rural areas. They've asked the legislature to try to give them more jurisdiction to update some of the rules, but so far no lawmakers have taken them up on it. Why not? Generally, state lawmakers have been reluctant to write new rules that will bind everyone in the whole state, um, all the rural areas. And ADWR, the Department of Water Resources, their hands are kind of tied because the state law says they can only look at current rates of water withdrawal when they create these new management areas. So there's these huge new farms. They can't take into account how much water those farms are going to pump out when they create these new management areas. And so what these rules effectively say is that you have to pump out much of the water before you can put the rules in to prevent the pumping of that water. Right. It feels like we're asking the fire department to come after the building is ashes. Uh, This seems really problematic. It does. And that's why the state in 2017 actually proposed changing the law so that they'd be able to look into the future when considering whether to set up a new managed area. And another area of concern that some people have been talking about is that 
groundwater pumping threatens, for example, the San Pedro River in southeastern Arizona uh, because this river is fed by groundwater and as more wells are installed and they pump out more water, that decreases the flow of the river over time. I think we need to change the groundwater rules here. I don't think it's fair to pump the water so the groundwater so deeply that we dry up all our surface waters. What other solutions are being proposed? Well, some of the people that we talked to have been proposing things like putting meters on wells so that pumping could actually be measured and the state would have a clearer sense of how much water is being taken out of the ground. And other proposals have included, as we've talked about, setting up new managed areas or limiting the number of wells or in some areas saying no more well drilling will be allowed in this area because the water is too heavily tapped. And then there have been suggestions to allow counties to take the lead in these unmanaged areas in developing plans to manage groundwater. Okay, so how would that help if some of what we've heard is that the residents want more state control? Well, not everybody in rural areas wants to see the state step in and regulate. And what we've heard from some people is that what might work in Mojave County wouldn't necessarily work in Cochise County or La Paz County, that each area has its own unique circumstances and that even if the state is still involved, it might help for county supervisors to be taking the lead at looking at their own local circumstances. Where does Governor Doug Ducey stand on all of this? Governor Ducey actually declined to speak with us for our story. We had contacted him over a series of weeks. Um, He had also declined to speak uh, when another media organization, the Yellow Sheet, asked him about, specifically about our story. Um, He often, uh, you know, says he cares deeply about water Um, when he's speaking publicly. um, He, you know, says we need to have ample water. Um, He he says we need to have ample water for growth. Um, But if you look, you know, more deeply at um, some of the decisions that he made and at his track record, especially in rural Arizona, he hasn't made a lot of moves to improve the situation. It sounds like those are goals, not commitments. Um, I'm curious, how does Arizona compare to other Western states? Every state handles its water laws and rules differently. And in 1980, Arizona was really leading the way with its groundwater management law, which at the time was the first comprehensive groundwater management law in the country. And several years ago, Arizona was still ahead of California, which didn't have any statewide laws managing groundwater. But in 2014, California did pass its Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, and that covers the whole state, whereas Arizona still has a number of areas that don't have any regulation. So we started out ahead, and now here we are 40 years later, we are behind. Would you guys call this a crisis? Or is it about to be a crisis? Well, for rural residents whose wells are literally drying up right now, I mean, of course, it's already a crisis. And if we continue to pump groundwater at current levels, you know, we may be coming into a crisis. That's why we titled the, uh, the whole series Arizona's Next Water Crisis. How does this affect urban residents? Well, urban areas of the state are different because in rural areas, in many places, groundwater is the only supply of water. But in urban areas, we have water from the Colorado River and we have water from the Salt River. So those surface water supplies are a big piece of the water that is coming out of our taps. But in the future, there are going to be increasing strains on those supplies of surface water. And that makes groundwater all the more important into the future. 
So this groundwater problem, it's different in different parts of the state, but it can't be ignored. I think we can all agree on that. Rob, any final thoughts? Yeah, our, our paralyzed politics are sort of locking in the status quo, where we have these big mega farms that are pumping out water without regulation. We have residential wells that are going dry. Nobody's doing anything to change this. And, and as this uh, status quo is locked in, this uh, invaluable resource is being pumped out. And we haven't talked about climate change yet either, because climate change is shrinking the flow of the Colorado River. Scientists have found that it's likely to continue to decrease the flow of the river. So our other sources of water are shrinking. That makes groundwater increasingly important into the future for Arizona's future water supplies. As long as people live in here, it's gonna go down. It'll never come back. These, these guys come in, they're drilling deeper wells, getting into, you know, finding more water. But it's affected old wells around, just like out where I live. That's just the way it is. It's not, it's not good for anybody, but as long as people are gonna live here, it isn't gonna, it's not gonna change. Our livelihood depends on what the water is here. I mean, that's what it is anywhere. You know, like the old saying is, is that whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting over. And that's about what we're getting to today. I plan on living here for the rest of my life. But what if there's a time within my lifetime that says, sorry, there's no more water here. You gotta move. Most people here can't do that, can't afford to do that. I fear for not just myself, but for other people in the next 20, 30, 40 years, thinking I'm gonna have to abandon my home. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Ian and Rob, for joining us. Where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at by Ian James. And I'm at Rob Odell AZ. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. If you like what you've heard today, leave us a rating and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. Special thanks to Mark Henley, who captured the amazing audio interviews. This episode was edited by Taylor Seeley with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.